Hello, and welcome to Side by Side Digital, brought to you by Farm Credit Services of America and Frontier Farm Credit. This podcast series tackles topics geared towards young and beginning producers. Each episode, we invite farm credit and ag industry experts to share their insights on financial management, business outlooks, transition planning, and more. In this episode, we're recapping key takeaways from our Meetings That Matter webinar presented by YBS Relationship Officers Nate Gable and Evan Babcock with Q&A highlights moderated by Rebecca Shively. Join us as Nate and Evan share their tips when it comes to navigating important meetings like meeting with your lender or your landlord. Nate, Evan, thanks for being here with us today. Uh, Nate, I'll go ahead and turn over to you. I really appreciate the opportunity to be with everybody today little introduction. My name is Nate Gable. I am a young and beginning relationship officer in Northeast Iowa. And uh, along with uh, working at Farm Credit Services, I have a small farming operation, including crops and a sheep flock. Evan, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You bet. Thanks, Nate. My name is Evan Babcock, and I work out of the Carroll office, and I serve all of Southwest Iowa offices of Harlan, Red Oak, and Carroll, serving our young and beginning producers in all of Southwest Iowa. Nate, why is it so important to be thinking about meeting with our lender? Well, that's a great question, Evan. So, you know, first of all, we do like to meet with our customers every year at least. And um, as we approach winter here, that's a a real common time to meet with our lender for an annual review. So, you know, why is it important? Well, first of all, those of us that are in lending as uh, financial officers and relationship officers, we really enjoy working with you and we enjoy knowing more about our customers. That's why we got in the business. We enjoy working with people. And so it's really important to get together every year so that, first of all, we just learn about how things are going on your operation and with you personally. You know, that's a really important aspect of meeting with our lender every year. And then, of course, we're going to update financial information so that we can be more useful to you as an advisor and a stakeholder in your operation. So what do we need to talk about in this annual meeting? The story of the operation, or what we call operation scope, is really important. That includes enterprises that your operation is involved in. So if we're producing grains, livestock, maybe we have other side businesses like custom operations, it's important for us to understand exactly what business enterprises that you're participating in on your farm. The size and scope is always important. So number of animals or number of acres, again, The more information that we have about your operation, the better able uh, we can serve you. And so along with those enterprises, we also like to have a description of your land or facility base. How many acres do you own? How many acres do you lease? What are the lease agreements on those acres? And then how do those... uh, So Nate, on those acres of land, you talked about the leased and, and owned does it matter to us what crop those are in? Oftentimes, my lender wants to know how many acres of corn and beans I have. Talk to us a little bit about why we want to sort those out and why is that important? Oh, that's a great question. Again, it's just more information that helps us to advise you moving forward. But it's very helpful to us if we know what enterprises are taking place where. So our, do you have pasture land that's on leased acres or is that owned acres? Maybe facilities. Do you own facilities? Maybe it's a livestock facility. Or do you own that or lease that? It's always important to, again, just the more information that we have about the operation, the more helpful it is. So machinery is another really interesting topic because a lot of our young and beginning farmers may have an agreement 
uh, with a parent or a neighbor or employer where they're exchanging labor for the use of machinery. And sometimes, of course, we own our, our own machinery. And so a description of that machinery, how it's used and what those agreements look like or ownership looks like is always helpful. And then off-farm income is really important. Off-farm income obviously helps us to cover family living expense, maybe useful in debt servicing and operating expenses on the farm business too. So Nate, I tend to keep my farm and my off-farm income separate. I like to run each as their own individual enterprise. Are you still going to want that information about my off-farm income? Oh, that's a great question, Evan. Uh, we do. We do want that information on that off-farm income because, and I like the idea of keeping that separate as far as record, from a record-keeping standpoint, but that off-farm income is really important and really helpful in covering family living expense, like I uh, talked about earlier, and uh, it may be useful in debt servicing too. So really important to include that off-farm income and then tell us how that off-farm income works. So let's say we're getting ready to have our meeting with our lender date. Can you give me an idea of what should I bring and be prepared to have? So that way it'll make better efficient use of, of my time and your time and have everything together in one spot. So first of all, like we talked about that operation scope, if you have that written down, have the description of your farm written down so it's organized and easier to visit about if you have those acres organized as to what's being produced on what acres or how many units of livestock are you are producing. That's always helpful. Um, but when we get to financial statements, every year we're going to update a balance sheet. So why do we look at a balance sheet? A balance sheet is a picture of the financial condition of our business at a point in time. And so every year we're going to update that balance sheet, preferably the same time as we did last year, so that we can compare year to year the financial condition of our business. And so hopefully the borrower can produce their own balance sheet, but many times as a lender, we're going to work with you to create that balance sheet, update it. In an ideal situation, you would have last year's balance sheet to go off of to create an updated balance sheet. But if you don't, some information that's really important to bring along so that we can create that balance sheet. So cash and equivalents are really important. So checking savings accounts, um, it's always helpful to bring those uh, statements with you or a lot of customers have online banking. We can look on their phone and see what those account balances are. Marketable bond and securities. Accounts receivable is one that's easy to forget. So maybe we've sold some grain and we've deferred payment. We haven't received the cash from that sale yet, but uh, we certainly want to record that. That gives us an indication of that asset balance. Market livestock and crop inventory is always important. Prepaid expenses is another one that we can sometimes forget about for prepaying for next year's crop and this year. It's important to have records showing what have you purchased so far and what were the uh, balances of those prepaids. And then non-current assets, machinery and equipment, of course, is, is important to uh, have an inventory of that. And also, if you've changed some equipment, if you've purchased or traded, uh, really important to have those items recorded so that we can uh, put that in the balance sheet. And sometimes that's easy to forget. If we purchase a new piece of machinery, we might forget, well, did we purchase that last year before the balance sheet was made? Or So you have the time of that uh, machinery purchase. Uh, it, it's very helpful. And then, of course, breeding livestock, vehicles, buildings and improvements. Maybe you built some terraces or done some tiling on some farmland. 
we certainly want to record that. And then other non-real estate, of course, but then other non-current assets like retirement accounts, it's always helpful if you have a statement that shows that account balance. I mean, we know that if you have a retirement account that's based on stocks and mutual funds, that it's going up and down every day. But uh, if we have a statement that shows uh, that balance at a point in time, that's very helpful. You know, when I get a lot of appointments with customers, and like you mentioned, they, they tend to forget maybe what we purchased because 12 months is a long time of buying and selling. I'll just make a comment there. You know, it's real important that if you're going to write checks, maybe put in the memo of that check. So that way that's your record keeping system to go back through and remind yourself, what are some of the things that we purchased or improved to be able to have that record? So that's a quick, easy way that doesn't have to be anything that's extra work for you to do. Use the memo in your check. I'll put that pitch in there. Uh, that's a great point, Evan. Thanks for sharing that. So along with our assets, of course, we want to record liabilities. And so those would be accounts payable, operating notes, outstanding drafts and checks. Or this another thing that's kind of easy to forget. Maybe we've written a check for some seed or fertilizer for the coming year, and it hasn't gone through yet. It has not been cashed yet. So we need to account for that because that might... Uh, if we don't account for it, it's going to throw off our balance sheet. And so credit card debt, we need to record that too. And, and then obviously any machinery, livestock, or real estate debt. So after we have a balance sheet completed, we also want to have tax returns. Now, if we have a longstanding relationship with you, we most likely have your previous year tax returns, but we may be missing the most recent year. So bring that along. And a good habit to get into is after you complete your tax return every year, you can simply have your accountant email that to us or bring us a cop, paper copy and we'll uh, index that for you and get it right back to you. A driver's license, if you don't have an updated driver's license, uh, we like to have that too. And then cash flow projections. A cash flow projection is exactly what it sounds like. It projects the cash inflows and outflows for the coming year. And that's really helpful so that we can plan about what's the profitability look like for the coming year or what cash requirements you may have coming. So what if I don't have a cash flow projection or I, I'm not comfortable with what numbers to use? Cause let's, let's say that, you know, maybe we know that prices are going to be different this spring. Walk me through a little bit about maybe where I can start and how you can help us out. Yeah. So to create a cash flow projection, what we're simply doing is estimating the incomes and outflows for the coming year. And so there's a lot of ways that we can do that. One thing we can do is look at last year's performance of the farming operation and use that as an indication of, of next year. But also, if you are visiting with your local agronomist or a feed specialist, you know they will help you to project those expenses for the coming year. And of course, we can use the futures market to get kind of an idea of where we can be expecting for income from our production. And so, and then of course, financial officers will obviously help you too, to um, estimate those incomes and expenses. So out of this list that you gave me, Nate, I just happened to be at the FSA office setting up my young beginning farm there. And they asked for all the same stuff that you did. And I was wondering, is there a way that we can maybe cut back on some of the duplication here and, and how can we work together to get FSA the same stuff that farm credit needs? Well, yeah, even though it's a lot of fun to put together all these financials, it does consume some time. And so if we can share that information with FSA, uh, it just saves time for everybody. And that's where that authorization to share and release information comes in. 
And most customers are going to have, we're going to have that on file for customers anyway. In most cases, we're, we can simply email that information to FSA. Again, it saves everybody time and we're all looking at the same documentation too. And that's helpful. But we're working with FSA, maybe on real estate purchase or something. It's really helpful that we're all on the same page and we can discuss as a team uh, to help the borrower. So beyond all the financials, Nate, what else could it be beneficial or helpful to bring with to this meeting besides the balance sheet, cash flow, and tax return, driver's license? Well, again, another great question. So, you know, what I've discussed so far is the annual review. But as year goes on, we might be meeting over other loan requests. Let's talk about that a minute. So what type of loan requests are you looking for? So is it a real estate loan? Is it uh, expanding the breeding stock? operation. Uh, maybe you're looking to establish a line of credit. For a real estate loan, it's always helpful to have a description of the property that you're interested in purchasing. Obviously, total acres. Of those acres, how many of those are tillable, pasture, uh, CRP. The more information you have about that property, the, the better able we are to help you out. And then, of course, how does this addition of land affect your operation? As a borrower, you've already thought about that. But it's important for us to hear from you, you know, why this purchase would be beneficial to you. And very similar with machinery or breeding stock, loan request. You know, what exactly are you looking to purchase? What are the costs of these uh, assets that you're looking to add to the farm? And then how does this purchase affect your operation? Very important to think about, does it improve my production and my efficiency, et cetera? And then an operating line of credit, how would you use those operating uh, lines? and what does the cash flow look like? Going back to that cash flow projection, what does that annual cash flow look like? Uh, amounts of incomes and expenses and time. Sure, this is a, a lot to kind of take in. But can you give us maybe an example of how a meeting might look and, and maybe an instance where somebody's just really made good use of time here? Yeah, so my top customers, they have a really good picture of their operation, really good description of their operation. Now, along with that, they have an idea of where they want to be. They have goals and objectives that they want to accomplish in the, in the, the next year, the next three years, the next five years. And it's really interesting to always visit with customers about those goals and objectives. And it's helpful to us as a lender when the customer has a goal and they're, they're laser focused on that goal. And then um, when we look at financials, then we can talk about management decisions that can help our borrower to reach those goals. Uh, and the top customers do those types of things. They're thinking all the time and they're a lot of times updating their financials on their own. And then when we get together, we don't have to spend so much time focused on financials because they're prepared. We can spend more time talking about where they are today with their farming operation and where they want to be in their future. Sure, sounds good, Nate. Um, any other tips for meeting with the lender? You know, I think we covered a lot of them. Do you have any other tips, Levin? No, but I, I will say, you know, one of the key components that is important to, to myself as a lender, and, and you might find very unique to Farm Credit Services of American Frontier Farm Credit is we build relationships. And that's a big part of how we lend money and get to know the operation as a whole rather than just as the loan. I, I'll give an example of a young man that came to visit me for a first time, hadn't been farming before. And I, I asked him some information about the operation and, and things outside the operation. And he said, whoa, I just came in for a loan. Well, if, if you're going to have a farm 
in family living, oftentimes one or the other is going to help each other, feed off each other. And, and now he understands and gets that, that in order for us to best serve the producer, if we know about your goals and your vision outside of the farm and you as an individual, we can usually put a lot of pieces of the puzzle together to help meet those goals. So that personal touch of getting to know your loan officer and the loan officer getting to know you is, is very important for us to help meet your goals. So another meeting that we're having this time of year is a meeting with our landlord. Evan, I know you have some really good insight on that. And uh, could you share that with us? You bet. You know, as Farm Credit Services and Frontier Farm Credit, we have a lot of customers that are landowners or landlords, however you want to shape it. And we meet with them oftentimes because maybe they're working with us in a financial standpoint. But we get a lot of feedback from them as to what makes them happy, what makes them tick. And and some of those things I feel are worth relating to our producers to help maybe strengthen their relationships as well. Like I mentioned earlier, the lender and the operator relationship is important, but so is your lender and your landlord operation relationship. So I thought I'd share a few things here that we've, we've kind of found as we've worked with some of these landlords. But with every relationship out there, whether it be maybe a personal or business, communication is key. And, and some of that communication can be defined and some of it could just be asked, how do you want to be communicated with? And some of these landlords might be distant. Some of them might want to be silent partners, but we want to actually ask them, at what point do you want informed and how do you want informed? Some of these farms might be legacy farms. They might be farms that they grew up on and they might be very intrigued and in, in kind of enjoy seeing what's happening out there might enjoy that. And don't also be surprised if you get some landlords that maybe they're more truly the investor type that doesn't need to know about what's going on, just send me the check. And you'll find that. But by asking upfront and finding out what they want, it opens that door for the opportunity for them to be able to say yes or no, I want to be involved. And beyond that, if you find out that they want communication, we can find out what type and maybe how often. So we might want to find out that they they want to be informed throughout the year. You could probably give a quick update of, hey, I'm going out to spray, or we got record amount of rain, or it's a drought this year. Give them as much or as little as they want, but allow them to define where that line is and ask flat out up front. So Evan, if we have a landlord that really doesn't desire a lot of communication, uh, what does that relationship look like? There are people like that out there with that communication. I still, and I'll probably get into some detail here in just a second, but at some point there will still be some communication, even with those that don't want communication. And that communication is going to come in the form of what does my rent look like for next year? So what I recommend to those people that don't want a whole lot of communication is, is that we still do an annual meeting. And in that annual meeting, we're going to discuss a lot of nuts and bolts. And if they don't want to even have that, well, okay, let's figure out how are we going to get some of this accomplished without having an annual meeting. The first thing I would do is just have some sort of an agenda for that meeting. And it doesn't have to be on paper. It doesn't have to be formal, but have an idea of what needs to be accomplished. That's going to save you time, save the landlord some time. And I would encourage you to take some notes while we have these meetings. So that way you can remember what it was that their desires were and maybe possibly what it was that you discussed. 
especially when we get down to the future needs of the farm. That's usually kind of a hot topic that maybe needs to be recorded as to who's going to take care of what, maybe who's paying for what. And the reason I like to bring these up during the annual meeting is because if there's a financial obligation on either party, we might need to be preparing for that many years in advance rather than just being at the drop of a hat. We need more time than dropping $100,000, $200,000 and not being prepared for that. So this is a great time to start discussing all the things that maybe need to happen, maybe the things that did happen on that farm. And my favorite thing here to do is, is I like to discuss yield, your cost of production, and maintenance maybe that you've done on the farm. This is where keeping good records can really help you. And obviously, we're record people, farm credit. We like to make sure that things are very well documented. But records can help you maybe in showing that it's not profitable or maybe it is profitable. Let's say the landlord wants to raise rent and you're thinking that maybe it's not justifiable. If you've got good, clean records, you should be able to show what the value of what you're doing is and how much that's going to bring in. And there's always the question is, do I really want to share my yields with my landlord? Nate, what do you think on that? Well, I think that's a great question again. Well, the question is, can it hurt us if we share too much information with our landlord? And I think we can all agree that if a landlord really wants the information, they're going to ask other people for that information. They're going to be able to figure out what are typical yields in, in the area? What are cash rents in that area? They can easily find price of corn, things like that. It's probably going to be advantageous to us to, even that might be a little uncomfortable, but if we're open and honest with our landlord, they're probably going to be more uh, willing to work with us too and, and trusting and building that trusting relationship. Would you agree with that, Evan? Yeah, I I like to throw out there, Nate, that if they want information and they're the type that want communication and they're not getting it, they will get it somewhere, somehow. So I tend to lean on the side of if they are looking for the information, if they're the type that desires information, I'd rather them hear it from me. That way I know they're getting the full story, the whole truth and everything that was done on their property and the value of that rather than it'd be coffee talk at the elevator. So that's kind of how I feel about that. The information is not hard to find. They know who to contact to get what they want. So I encourage people to give that information from themselves on their, on their personal operation. So again, you know, if you've got all that documented and, and you can share that with the landlord, that's great. The other thing too that helps keep all this put together in one spot for your annual meeting is a tenant land summary. And it's a quick, easy one sheet of paper and you can make up your own. But it's something that you can hand the landlord that kind of helps guide this conversation. Think of it as your actual agenda if you really wanted to. Simple things that are on there is what did I plant? When did I harvest? What was my yield? Did I use fertilizer? Did I use chemicals? But what I find really neat about that is some of our generational farmers that have been farming for many, many years, they love to see that yield over time continue to go up and up and up. A lot of our landlords lived on these farms. They worked on these farms and they love to see the pride in that yield continue to go up and up every year. So give them that sheet of paper. It's just kind of a summary that they can file away and, and have a hard copy of what happened on the farm. Let's change gears just a little bit here. So as we all know, renting land is very, very competitive today. It's a very competitive market. What should we do as a beginning farmer to 
make ourselves more competitive without just simply paying more for rent. Yeah, I tend to look at things as let's add value to our, our ground lease agreement. Anybody can ride a track for that parcel of ground, but a, a person that could add value beyond the dollar is somebody that's going to strengthen a relationship and be able to keep that ground more on a long-term basis than a turn by turn. And some of these things that I'm talking about is if you've got equipment and resources to do a simple task that a landlord may not be able to accomplish on their own, it really sets you apart from somebody who's just going to write a check for that dirt. So examples I'm thinking of here is, let's say they've got a garden, and you, have, you have a tiller, right? We could till their garden. You've got a water trailer. They've got a pool. Help them out. Or let's say they go away for the winter and they need somebody to clear the snow off their driveway. All those things are value added that probably doesn't take a lot of your extra time or even special equipment that you, you probably already have and put it to good use. Because like I said, anybody can be competitive in check riding, but it's where we add the value that is the most competitive part to it. And the other thing that, that I like too is, and, and again, some of these ideas are things that I hear from customers or landlords is, Send them a thank you. Go beyond the check writing. I was mentioning earlier a customer told me that they got a, a thank you from their elevator. They bought their inputs from the elevator, got a thank you card. Okay, I could go to the, any elevator and buy my inputs, but that one took the time to give a thank you. Is that necessary? No. But if the customer took the time to tell me about that, that obviously meant something to them. And imagine doing that to a lamb. Having them hang that up on the refrigerator and showing their neighbors. Okay. The other thing too that I would do is, is I would tug on a little bit of some emotions and, and maybe some heartstrings. Send some pictures of you and your family enjoying farm life. It doesn't have to be on the particular piece of ground that you're renting from them. But a lot of our landlords really enjoy seeing families grow and prosper on these parcels of land that they're renting. So show them some pictures, get on social media, post some nice things about what you've got going on. And, and always, you know, if they're around and they're available, offer that ride in the combine or the tractor and get them out to, to view their asset and involve them as much as they, they choose. Yeah, I would agree with that, Evan. I have a customer that does a really nice job of communicating with an out-of-state landlord. And as you said, uh, this particular customer uses social media and does a fantastic job of even sending videos of operating the tractor or combine in the field that always does a really nice job of, of showing their, their children in the cab with them. And, and their landlord just loves that. And they've built a really, really strong relationship because of his extra effort, you know, to share information and using technology that's available to us. Right. There's all, all kinds of means and methods to, to share information. And, and that goes with any part of how we're going to share our story put it out there in a positive way and be careful about character as well. You know, landlords can see what you're up to in the community. They see how you portray yourself as a producer, put positive, good messages out there about what you're doing on the farm and, and also be cautious about what maybe negative stuff that we could be putting out there. Your farm is an operation. It's a business and people want to do business with people that they have trustworthy and high character values. And that'll help build that strong relationship as a, is a good, positive person as we're posting stuff on social media.
So, Rebecca, do we have any questions on our topics today? Evan, you kind of talked about, and probably this is a question for both of you, some of the things that people do that really stand out in an impressive way. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the things people do that are maybe mistakes or missteps or things to avoid or maybe not a horror story, but what are, what are some things young people can be sure to stay clear of? That's always a, a slippery slope there because every landlord is different. But I can also tell you that we have to be cautious about what we want to flash off in public if we're trying to fight and combat higher prices on our rent. We want to make sure that if we do want to maybe have that discussion that we've got good reason, because if if they see that we've got extravagant lifestyle, but we also want a a break, they're going to question that. And that's actually a very common discussion that that we've had in my particular experiences with, with a lot of landlords. I agree exactly with what Evan just said. Uh, I've had landlords really kind of complain about maybe a young person or a person of any age or renter of any age, but a great example is they pull up to discuss rent with a brand new pickup and they're trying to contest the rent going up and that landlord might be a person that never had a new pickup in their entire lives. Okay. And so they see the tenant coming up with a new pickup and kind of question how they're spending their money possibly. And everyone has a right to spend their money the way they want to, but I think it's just a really good idea to be to relate to the people that you're renting land from. Really good points there. Yeah, it's it's not that you can't have these things, but having a little bit of self-awareness and, you know, kind of knowing your audience, right? Making sure you're meeting someone where they're at. Machinery values on the balance sheet, is that something that you should be adjusting every year? I know the market for equipment's kind of crazy right now. What's kind of your take on that? Well, that's a real common topic. It's a question we get a lot from customers at balance sheet time. And you said it exactly right. Today, we're in an environment where machinery values are increasing. Now, the problem with increasing the value of our machinery on our balance sheet is that now we are showing a network gain that's unearned. The farming operation didn't produce those extra dollars, so we don't want to reflect that on the balance sheet. At the same time, our standard here, Farm Credit Services, is to depreciate machinery 10% every year. And of course, we have customers that and rightly so, they challenge that and, and ask about it. But, um, you know, one way to look at that is even if that machinery value, that tractor, that combine, that baler, even if it's the same value today, the replacement cost of that machine has certainly gone up too. And it might be, that may have increased at a greater rate than what the value is of the current machine that we have. So by depreciating that machine, uh, we are going to show a loss in value of that particular item of machinery. So it, it's a more accurate way of, of showing a cost or reflecting the cost of that machinery as a fixed cost. Maybe a question more for Evan around kind of the landlord conversation. Uh, and this is kind of a tricky one. Do you have any advice or recommendations if you have a strained relationship or if maybe communication hasn't been great and things are a little bit tense? Do you have any strategies or things that you've seen work to kind of hit reset or repair that relationship if it starts getting maybe a little tense? That's a tough one. And it goes back to the relationship that you can develop. But I find the best thing to do is just flat out ask, you know, hey, what is it that you want? What can I do to better our our communication here? And usually by having these annual meetings, that's a great starting point to, to just start a conversation and let it kind of take itself from there. But by having that identified time to discuss the operation, 
you'll find out that there's a lot of things that can come out, things that can be solved by just, you know, setting up a very specific time to have a conversation. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Probably the worst thing to do is to just ignore it and hope it goes away, right? But have as much as it might be painful or awkward at the time, um, having the courage to kind of be really direct and have that conversation and clear the air, I think that's a good strategy. Anything you'd add on that, Nate? I think Evan said it, you know, exactly. Try to repair that relationship the very best we can and ask the right questions. I think Evan said that very well. Awesome. Good advice there. So is a piece of equipment worth zero after 10 years, or is there a bottom that you would value something when you mentioned the depreciation? So a little more you can say on that? That's a really good question. We opened a can of worms now. Yeah, you know, that's a great question. We all know that that tractor has some value. We keep depreciating at 10% a year, and yeah, we have that tractor uh, long enough. Sooner or later, it's going to be zero value. You know, I think it really depends on the piece of machinery. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question to answer, but it, did, it does depend on that piece of machinery. 4020 John Deere, for example, you know, they always have value. Uh, we all know it's worth more than $1,000. You know, if that's the case, um, certainly your, your financial officer is going to at least make a note on your balance sheet. You have a reasonable basement level on that item after we've depreciated in a number of years and yeah, leave it there. And, and I'll add in there that, you know, these are just part of those conversations that you can have with your individual loan officer. And, and there is some changes that a person can make. I'll give the example of, I had a, a customer that did some major, major improvements to a tractor, you know, let's say that they put $50,000 of repairs into that thing. Well, that does make that tractor more valuable, right? But maybe we want to put that repair in a very specific place to reflect that value. And the depreciation that Nate mentioned is is not 10% off of the original value. It's 10% off of the last balance sheet's value. So it would actually take many, many more years than, than 10 to get to a zero balance. But the, the real reflection of what we're looking at here is on that balance sheet, it's not necessarily market value of what we're looking for. What we're after is just what did you do in the decisions that you made on that farm? What did that earn you in value? So reflecting the market inflation is not an earned value. And, and I also ask the question of, if we're not going to sell this, why would we get hung up on, on its actual cash value? We're after the decision-making and the dollars that that made us is what we're really trying to find on that balance Awesome. Really good call out there. Uh, maybe another one kind of related to meeting with your lender. Nate, you had mentioned um, being able to kind of compare across balance sheets from previous years and looking at some trends in those kind of things. Is that something that's pretty common when you sit down with your farm credit officer that they'll help you with that? Or is that something people can be doing on their own? Or kind of what what can someone expect in terms of that kind of coaching? Well, that's a great question again. So yeah, your financial officer certainly wants to look at uh, the balance sheet trend and just make some observations and share that with the customer. And obviously, we want the customer to do that for their own management and for their own well-being. Farming has been said many times, a cash-poor, asset-rich business. And so that's why analyzing the balance sheet trend is really important because we might not have a lot of cash in our checking account to show for our income. Uh, but at the same time, maybe we've had a $100,000 net worth gain from the previous year. So... Uh, it's really important to analyze that balance sheet trend to see how this uh, farming operation is progressing. And likewise, it could be going the other direction too. Maybe we have a lot of cash because we've sold down breeding stock. Maybe we had a beef cattle herd and we sold off our beef cows and now we have a, a bunch of cash. So it feels like we made money for the year. But at the same time, now we don't have that asset. 
So we want to reflect that on the balance sheet, take into account. Uh, so we looked at that trend analysis. And so we analyzed how did that farm, or how did that decision selling the beef cows really affect the financial position of this farm? Nice. And I, I like that you point that out, Nate, because it's probably also good information, as Evan pointed out, when you're sharing with your landlord, maybe at that annual meeting, kind of how the year went and how things are going, having kind of that documentation and being able to talk numbers, I think helps you tell a really powerful story. Yeah, and those right. annual meetings, you know, I, I've emphasized the importance of them. And I, like I mentioned before, too, that some of your landlords might not be physically located nearby, but that's something that you can do over the telephone too. give the opportunity to have a conversation as bottom line important to these producers, even if they, they don't have an emotional attachment to the farm, they probably have a financial attachment to it as an investment. So a once a year checkup, just like Nate's doing a checkup on your balance sheet and the financial health of your operation, the landlords want to do that too. They want to do a checkup once a year on their asset that you're, that you're borrowing in a sense from them. Guidance on what to put on land, again, very high right now. Is that a high that you should follow on your balance sheet or how do you maybe make an adjustment for that? Well, that's another real common question. And again, we don't want to show an unearned equity gain if we can help it because, uh, again, it just throws off our trend analysis. And so you could do a separate balance sheet for yourself. If you wanted to do a market value balance sheet for yourself and reflect the value of your machinery and of your land, because as you point out, yes, land has increased. You can certainly do that, do a market value balance sheet just for your own use. But Typically, we're going to leave the land value at what we paid for that land. Again, we don't want to show an under-equity gain just due to appreciation of real estate. That earned will show up when you sell it. And, and a lot of you as producers are intending to sell that. So that there's nothing earned until it's, it's cash in the bank, right? So to keep apples to apples, it's best to just leave the value of that where we purchased it. So guys, any kind of final advice, words of wisdom that you want to leave our, our listeners with before we sign off here? I just throw out there real quick, you know, thanks for joining us. You're probably the type of person that's really thinking about your business. And, and the saying goes, it's time to really think about our operations as a business. And, and hats off to you guys for putting in a little bit of an investment today and giving us your time. So thank you. And thanks for working on your operations. Yeah, I would echo Evan's comments. Thanks, everybody, for, uh, for your time. Hope that we uh, added some value uh, to you, and I hope everybody has a safe and bountiful harvest. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you, Nate and Evans, for spending time with us. I feel like our time flew by here. Some really great tips, some things to keep in mind as you head into some of those meetings at the end of the year. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Side by Side Digital, brought to you by Farm Credit Services of America and Frontier Farm Credit. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or post your comments or questions on Facebook and Twitter using the hashtag SXSDigital. For more information or to watch the full webinar and other educational content from our side-by-side -side digital series, visit fcsamerica.com slash SXSDigital. Thanks again for joining us.